Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes divorce. No way, that's not right. Today, we're talking the topic on everyone's minds, prenups. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Hey, it's Shauna here with some really exciting news. You can now listen to our entire back catalog completely ad-free, exclusively on Stitcher Premium. Check out all your favorite episodes of Millennial Money, like how to finally master the art of budgeting. In addition to the Millennial Money archive, you can also listen to every new episode ad-free, as well as tons of other ad-free Wondery shows with hundreds of hours of original content, audio documentaries, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of your favorite podcasts. You can sign up now for a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and using the promo code Wondery. Then once you're signed up, you just download the Stitcher app for iOS or Android and start listening. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and promo code Wondery. 
I've always known about prenups. Of course, I studied them when I got my financial planning degree. And I've known quite a few people who have had prenups, but many people ask if I signed one when I got married to Jeff, my second marriage, after losing pretty much everything in my first divorce, which is still really weird for me to say. But honestly, at the time Jeff and I started dating and we got engaged, I was still in a major rebuilding phase and I didn't have much to lose. But I find most people either love the idea of a prenup and cannot be talked out of it or hate the idea. For me, it was never a consideration just because, I I don't know, it's not right for me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't make it right for you. So Carolyn Grimes, a family law attorney, is joining us today to talk all things prenup because I know you probably have some burning questions that you want answered, including... When should I ask for a prenup, which I think is a really valid question and one that I find a lot of people are really scared to ask. But as Carolyn laughs, pretty much at the same time you're getting engaged is the right time to have that conversation about the prenup. So Carolyn, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because we're talking about one of those topics, the prenup, (laughs) that people either seem to have a love or hate relationship with. So I'm excited to have you join us today. Well, it's great to be here. It is a topic, just like you said, love, hate, and uh, sometimes it stops things before they get started, but hopefully we (laughs) give some people some tips so they don't fall down that hole. Absolutely. So obviously the recent news that uh, J-Lo and A-Rod are are getting married with that uh, amazing million-dollar engagement ring. (laughs) Uh, But now with their sort of separate $100 million fortunes that they have on the line, you say prenup is probably a really good idea for them. For all the rest of us who aren't sitting there with a million-dollar engagement ring, how do we know if we're a good candidate for a prenup? Well, prenuptial agreements can have a lot of value, but at different stages in life, people use them for different things. Young people, you know, when it's going to be their first marriage or their only marriage, depending on how they're planning, tend to use prenuptial agreements because their parents want them to uh, protect family money or family gifts. And then later in life, when people are getting married, perhaps for the second time, they tend to use prenuptial agreements to protect their assets so that their children can have them and not necessarily the new spouse. But there's a lot of complications involving all of that, which we can get into. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine that it's certainly not not cut and dry. But walk me through a little bit. So let's see if we can dive in it a little bit. What are some of the intricacies of a prenup? What What's typically in a prenup? Maybe what isn't? And what does it actually protect you from? Well, there are some uniform uh, laws out there, but uniform laws across states aren't necessarily all that uniform. But most prenuptial agreements require that each party disclose all of their assets and their debts and that they have a chance to each consult individual attorneys and that they, what we call, not be unconscionable on its face. So for people who are planning on getting married and staying married, it's often the conversation about money that they've been putting off having, and that's when you find (laughs) out how much loan debt your partner-to-be has or how much credit card debt. But what they typically cover 
are what assets that you brought into the marriage. Are you going to want to keep them, keep them separate? Or um, even if you commingle them, are you going to want to be able to make them separate again when you get divorced? What to do about debt and prenuptial agreements that are later in life cover what I call the three D's, divorce, disability, and death. Because it's important to put in, especially later in life, the terms you have. If one of you dies, what's going to happen to your estate? If one of you becomes disabled, how are you going to handle that in terms of who's going to pay it? And then, of course, for divorce or separation. Uh, There's a couple of things that prenups can't cover, and that's basically custody. You can't predetermine custody of your children. And prenups also can't have clauses in there for uh, what we like to politely call meretricious acts. <laughs> Which means sex. Yes. <laughs> so you can't have a prenup that, you know, guarantees the amount of times, you know, everybody will get together each week. <laughs> that is fabulous. I I love that. I mean, I would imagine as an attorney, you have probably heard just about everything. But uh, so along those lines, I mean, are there just crazy things that people ask for sometimes to be in the prenup? And you're like, no, 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 that that can't be in there. Well, people like to do interesting things, you know, and a lot of the celebrity ones, they have clauses in there that, you know, the parties can only gain so much weight. And then I don't know how they're punished, whether they get divorced <laughs> immediately, but that seems a horrible clause to put in there. Um, you know, people have things like, no matter what, I'm always going to keep my Corvette. It doesn't matter what else happens. That's not that crazy. But, uh, you know, you can't have clauses in there that say, your mother will never be allowed to visit in our house unless it's the house that you bought. But, you know, people try. That's fantastic. I love that. I would imagine that uh, there are some pretty crazy things. And you mentioned a little bit that the prenup conversation, I, I think it makes a lot of people a bit nervous because they haven't had those conversations that they should have about money or about debt, whatever's sort of lingering behind the scenes that maybe they don't want their their future spouse to know about. How do you advise newly engaged couples to venture into the topic of prenup to even figure out if this makes sense to them? Is is there any situation or anything that you think they should be talking about, at least initially, before they go and see an attorney? Well, one problem that most people have with prenups is that they wait until the last minute. And then you end up sometimes in a big fight right before the wedding. So if you think you need a prenup, or if your parents are telling you you need one, you need to talk to your intended sooner rather than later. I mean, it's a conversation about money. So depending on the circumstances, you may be talking about money for planning the wedding, and sometimes there's family involvement with that, and that'll lead you to it. And just how you're going to run your household financially, which is an important thing for couples to talk about, whether they're going to have joint accounts or not, or who's going to pay what bill or who's going to do that. So people often slide into the prenup conversation when they're talking about finances, And when they're talking about their parents and what their parents are contributing or not to the wedding, you know, people like to get the wedding gifts from their own side of the family back often. So that's generally how most, you know, regular people who aren't involved in massive estate planning start to talk about the prenup conversation. Interesting. Yeah. And is there a certain 
dollar amount that makes the prenup a viable option for you? Or is it just so case specific that if it's something that's really weighing on you and you want to have that conversation, that at least you should explore that as an option? Well, that's a great question. And I guess gets back to another point that prenups are different depending on which stage of life you're in. Sure. You're young and you're going to have children because that's the thing to consider because oftentimes people put alimony or spousal support waivers in prenups. It's it's very common for later in life marriage. But if you put it in when you're young because you're both thinking, oh, we both have a job and, you know, we'll always be working, but, you know, the woman has to pause at least to have the children and you may want to have one or the other parent stay home with the kids for a while and then they won't be building up retirement in their own name and they won't have income. And I've done one where it was two professionals, but they were going to have kids and they built in a paradigm for if they were married so long and had so many children, whether the wife would get spousal support from the husband. And, you know, that's not a bad idea if you're looking at, you know, if you're going to get divorced in a year, you don't want to pay anybody alimony. If you're going to get divorced, you know, 30 years down the road and one of you has stayed home with the kids for 20 years, you know, that's arguably unfair to have an alimony waiver in there. So that's an everyday decision that affects almost all married couples. Yeah, that's a great point. I haven't really thought about it that way. And I'd love to know what you're thinking. I mean, when I think back in my parents' generation, uh, you know, prenup wasn't even a conversation that I don't even know if they knew the word when they were getting married. And now it feels like so many people ask me all the time, is a prenup right for me? Should I be considering a prenup? You know, people who are maybe just even rolling out of college and have their first job, but it's become more of a a talked about term. What do you think is, is happening that is changing the conversation where now more people are, are thinking and talking about prenup? Well, one thing that's changed, depending on the length of time, is that prenups were illegal uh, a couple of decades ago. Really? Yeah, you couldn't do that. So, and only in certain states did they have them, and then they expanded across the states. I mean, family law varies a lot state by state, and over what is really a short amount of years has changed radically in certain areas. But... One reason people think of prenups more is because the divorce rate is much higher than it was, say, in the 50s or the 60s. And, you know, they hear horrible stories about divorces, so they think a prenup is going to solve it. The problem most people really have is that no one ever follows their prenup. (laughs) And then they mix all their money and you can't trace it out or this other thing becomes different. So if you're going to take the trouble to have a prenup, you need to have your will and estate planning match it, and you need to actually do it. Because if you say, well, you know, the wife owns a house and the husband doesn't, and the wife is always going to own the house and the husband isn't, is the husband going to pay anything towards a mortgage? Is he going to pay to live there? You have to think of all those practical things. And then if you're not going to commingle your money, don't commingle your money. But that's hard to do over 20 years or 10 years because most people don't go into marriage thinking, I'm going to get divorced. Because what's the point of getting married? They go and thinking they're in there for the long haul. So sometimes a prenup can come back and catch you, and people never have copies of them either. They forget where they are. 
the weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. 
Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete.me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete.me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete.me is not just a one-time service. Delete.me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The host, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks? Where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. work hard and you're taking time to get in a better relationship with your money. So I want to do you a favor. I want to buy five listeners a week a cup of coffee or tea just to say thank you. You can take what you would have spent and just put it towards one of your goals. I know it's a small amount, but every dollar counts, right? All you need to do is head to iTunes, leave a review for Millennial Money Podcast, and then email me a copy of your review to info at m moneypodcast.com. That's info at mmoneypodcast.com to be eligible to have a cup of coffee on me. We'll get back into talking all things prenup after an Ask Shauna from CK. And CK says, hi, Shauna, love your podcast. I recommend it to lots of friends as part of my goal to be more frugal this year. I'm going to graduate from college this spring and I have a job lined up. I'm thinking of getting a new credit card. I already have one to get travel points during my spring break trip. I'm worried about my credit score decreasing right before I have to put it down a down payment on an apartment. Should I wait so that I can get a better deal on an apartment? Also, can you explain how travel points work for travel rewards? Thank you so much. I love all your tips. CK first, congrats on graduating college. That's awesome. 
now the real adulting begins, <laughs> you're probably going to want to climb back into college. I know I certainly did. There's still some times where I'm thinking, if I could just go back to college, that would be so incredibly awesome. But I digress. And totally understand not wanting your credit score to climb. I think that's awesome that you're thinking about that right now. I wasn't thinking about my credit score when I graduated college. So good for you to already have that in mind. And I've talked about this in a recent Ask Shauna, but really the most important factor, I think, is just to know what is your score now, because that is really, I think, what you're going to judge your decision off of. So on average, you should expect about a 5-point decline somewhere in that neck of the woods for a new application for a credit card, which isn't a lot. Five points is not a big deal for most people, but if you're on that border of a good and great credit score, it might be worth pausing just to make sure that you get the apartment that you want to get and that your credit score is exactly where you want it to be. And then once you take care of that, then you can go ahead and apply for a new credit card. I think the same thing goes for anybody who's thinking about buying a house or something like that, maybe even buying a car, you're making a big purchase, or you're applying for an apartment or something maybe that's super competitive and you want to make sure you have the best score. Obviously, you need to know what your score is now. And I'm a big fan of just pausing until you actually purchase or get that new apartment, whatever the situation is for you, and then you apply for the new credit. That way you know just safety first, you know you're going to keep your good score intact. And so as you asked about credit card points, which of course is one of my favorite topics, each credit card has their own different system for how you can earn and how you can use the points and a different point value per dollar spent. So there are a lot of great places like NerdWallet, CreditCards.com, so many places where you can match the credit card with your goals and your credit score. So you know that what the credit card you're applying for is actually one that's going to work for you. So you're not just sort of aimlessly applying for credit cards that you may not actually get approved for. Basically, for every dollar you spend, you earn points that then you can redeem for airfare, hotels, car rentals, etc., all sorts of stuff. But I'm a big fan of the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card. And no, they don't pay me to say that. I know I talk about them a lot, but I really am a big fan of that card. But Discover and City, they also have some really great credit cards. So don't be shy at really looking at the landscape of what's out there and figuring out what are your goals and then what is that card that matches up with that. I also have an airline-specific card, which I know a lot of people aren't big fans of, but I do this specifically so I can avoid paying baggage fees because I hate, I think it's ridiculous that we have to pay baggage fees. So anywhere we travel, we try to travel on an airline that matches up with that card. So then we can save, I mean, for two of us, it's $100 per trip that we're saving in baggage fees, which I think is just a no-brainer. But I would say if you aren't spending a lot on your credit card, You might want to go with just a traditional cashback card instead of a straight travel points card. But again, it totally depends on your situation, what your goals are, and really think about which card is going to match up with that before you go ahead and apply. So that would be my best advice. Again, congrats on the graduation, and I hope you have an awesome spring break trip if you haven't already gone on it. 
I'd love for you to expand a little bit on the topic of commingling because, I mean, it's certainly as a, a certified financial planner myself, I, I know what commingling means, but I would imagine a lot of people don't know where the lines are with commingling. So, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, in a prenup, you can define what you want to do with your money. You can always say, we're always going to have separate accounts or we're going to have one joint account and we're going to contribute X amount into it to pay the household and buy, you know, X, Y, Z assets from it. Or you can have that in there and ignore it and just, you know, (laughs) it here, pay it there. And then nothing can be traced back for the prenup. And you may end up with, you know, the house that you owned before you got married thinking, oh, I'm always going to have that. But then you sell it, you buy another house. Each of you starts paying the mortgage with it. And unless you have that circumstance covered in your prenup, you're going to end up losing what we consider the separate nature of the value of the first house because you've commingled it with marital money. And unless it's covered in your prenup, it's going to default to whatever your state law is upon divorce. And you could have made your prenup useless or worse. You could have ended up stumbling into making it all a gift for the other side. The very thing you tried not to do, if you don't actually follow the prenup and you move all the money around, you're going to basically eliminate the value of the prenup. Right. So you want to make sure that definitely you dot your I's and cross your T's and and everything matches up. And I've heard so many stories of people going through divorce who did have a prenup and for one reason or not, you know, basically what you're talking about, it was more or less invalidated. So what are some of the ways that you can other than what we've talked about, work to reinforce the prenup? Is it really just constantly getting advice to make sure that you're following what you initially set up? Or do you ever go back and actually revise prenups? People can revise prenups and they do as things go on later in life. And you can, for one thing, what you should probably do, and no one does this, is update your asset list every year that's supposed to be attached to your prenup because it's a good exercise for everybody to still know what's separate and if you've created marital money, what's marital, so there's no confusion. And prenups can be revised. You can put a clause in them that they're only good for so long on certain um, aspects of it. For example, I mean, if you're always going to want grandma's jewelry to be yours, but, you know, the house example is a difficult one, especially when you're dealing with people who are younger and are going to have a long marriage it's difficult to constantly say to your spouse, this is my house, get out, you don't get anything. <laughs> give me money to pay for it. Um, but updating the asset list every year is a good exercise so that you know the prenup is still in effect. Um, honestly, you can make a prenup really simple or really complicated. It depends on how much level of detail you want in them to how you're going to run your money. If you really want your money to be separate and you only want to make an asset marital when you consciously make it marital, like we both contributed money to buy this new house, therefore it is marital, your prenup has to say that. And let's say you don't have that idea before you get married, but five years into the marriage, you decide, well, we want to make this marital. You can amend the prenup. It happens all the time. They're not a prenup then, they're a marital agreement, but same thing. Very good. And what about can you put a pre, I guess it's not a prenup, but can you put something like a postnup in place of say you got married and you, you didn't have a prenup, but now you decide that's, that's something you want? Or is it you're just out of luck if you didn't set this up in the beginning? 
Um, in uh, Virginia, where I practice, you absolutely can. And most states have that provision, post-nuptial agreements. And sometimes people separate and they don't really want to get divorced. They have marital settlement agreements that basically it's all about the money. Then, so it's very common. And you don't have to sign it before the wedding. You can sign it after, but... Usually the one party that wants the leverage of a design before the wedding is lost once you get married. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, what if, say, you have a prenup in place and then you decide that you're going to divorce? Does it change the the process at all? Or are you still, you go hire your attorney and basically you, you come to the attorney with the prenup and then the attorney advises you best on the prenup, you know, what what options you might have? That's a great question, and it, that is basically how it works because prenups can't necessarily cover everything. For example, if you have children, custody isn't covered in a prenup. That's not considered valid to you know decide what's going to be the custody of your children before they exist. Custody, child support, whatever is not covered by your prenup still needs to be addressed. What it usually functions as is a partial property settlement agreement, unless you've got one that's absolutely dots every I. <clears throat> crosses every T, but uh, the actual process of getting divorced in terms of whether you have to have a hearing or whatnot, that varies by state. So that doesn't change. What it does is give you an agreement on what are supposed to be generally the big tricky issues, property and spousal support usually. Got it. Got it. All right. Wow. So fascinating. Well, I'd love for you to leave us with one parting piece of advice. If Somebody's listening, they're thinking about a prenup. How should they go about beginning the process? How do they vet out an attorney? What are they looking for? Well, if you're thinking about getting a prenup, you probably need one. <laughs> so if you think they're all, excuse me. <coughs> sorry. Don't worry. Um, but uh, check with, there's lots of online resources or just referrals to attorneys. Um, I will tell you this because this is all I do is family law. Go to a family law lawyer someone who specializes in family law, and they can tell you what is available to be put in a prenup in your state and what isn't, because, again, that varies from state to state, and gets you think. Usually the lawyers know all the kind of topics that are covered and give you some talking points with your intended, and don't wait until the week before the wedding to start the process. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the best takeaways. Awesome, Carolyn. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this great information about a really tricky subject. I'd love for you to like, let the listeners know if there's a listener in your state that is looking for a family law attorney, how can they connect with you? Well, our website is um, oldtownlawyers.com, O-L-D, lawyers.com. And we have a lot of family law lawyers. We also have some trust in the state's attorneys. So you can find us there. You can also Google me because I show up on a bunch of stuff because I've been doing this a long time. So um, that's where I am. You can find me on the web. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free, and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. 